If you have your Bible today, and I hope you do, let's turn to the book of Daniel, the first chapter. The book of Daniel. Now, you've got to get on back there past Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Then you'll find Daniel right after Ezekiel, right before the book of Hosea. And just be patient because we're going to read here after directly. But I, I want to uh, kind of set this sermon up just a little bit before we start reading. You know as well as I do, if you take a long, hard look around this culture that we live in, this society that we live in, we, are, we see people becoming more and more antagonistic toward Christianity more antagonistic toward believers. And probably I don't need to say this, but you realize that ever since Jesus came to this earth and started His ministry, He has been a division. He has divided people. And, and oftentimes from the pulpit you have heard me say that you have to pick your team, which side you're going to be on. And that is becoming more and more prevalent in this society that we live in. And in the Bible, though, in in this uh, book of Daniel, we're going to see through Daniel's actions and through his prayers, Daniel gives us a very powerful example of what it looks like to live unashamed in a culture that sees no need to live righteously and sees no need to live obedient to God for His glory. So what I've got planned, and this is my plan, and if God says it's okay, for the next few weeks we're going to be looking at portions of the book of Daniel. And the reason I want to do that is to help us stay true to, you know, to our Heavenly Father, to stay true in a world that is getting farther away from God every day. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you here for just a minute to use your imagination. And I want you to think about a brand new t-shirt. How white a brand new t-shirt is whenever you get it out of the package. And it doesn't matter how hard we take care of it or how well we wash it and bleach it, over a period of time, it's going to become kind of dingy looking. It's going to become kind of yellowish in color and begin to fade. And that's kind of what happens to believers. You know, every Christian is living in the middle of a culture with different priorities, with different values, with different beliefs. And as much as we want to remain clean and we want to remain clear from all of it, we come become a little less white. We become a little less bright the more time we spend in this world. Now, the reason I say that Despite this natural dulling, if you will, we still need to remain true to who we are in Christ. And it's of utmost importance we do not forget that. So I want to ask you a few questions here this morning. My first question is, or this evening, we're going to look at some things And my first question that I want you to think about, 
what are or what is the strong convictions that define your life? What strong convictions do you have that defines who you are? Another question I want to ask is how close is your relationship with God? How can we help each other stand against this culture when it conflicts with our faith? So that's kind of the direction that we're going to be taking in this message today. Now before we start reading in Daniel, let me kind of set up what's going on. King Nebuchadnezzar has defeated Jerusalem. And he has gotten rid of its kings. Also, he has taken from God's holy temple certain vessels back to Babylon. Along with those vessels, he also took a group of young men. You might say Israel's elitist, if you will. And the reason that he did that, he wanted to plan to train them in Babylonian culture and, and, uh, and customs, and he did that for political purposes, for political reasons. And what he was thinking was, he was hoping that along the way they would return to their homeland with positions of influence in their own countries and extend Babylonian ideas, Babylonian customs, and in these conquered lands. And so what it was, it was a way that, that of deeply and permanently kind, trying to uh, in, in, integer, integrate formally autonomous ideas and notions, and, and, and what he was trying to do was expand the Babylonian Empire. That was his plan. That was his intent. But that was not God's line of thinking. That was not God's plan. So, Daniel was among this group of young Israelites who found themselves living in this foreign land, living among foreign people. And this was the best and and brightest of Israel, and they had been sent to this culture center of the Babylonian Empire. And what the Babylonians had hoped to do was to change their line of thinking, change who they were to Babylonian ways. But Daniel decided that it was more important for him to follow God rather than the intentions of the Babylonians. So if you've got your Bibles and you found Daniel chapter 1, We're going to begin reading. Daniel chapter 1. I want y'all to look in verse 3. Y'all got it? And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his unit, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed. That word seed is descendants. Children or young men in whom was no blemish, but well favored. In other words, they were good looking. 
and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge or possessing knowledge and understanding science or quick to understand science and such as had ability in them to stand in or serve in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning which is writing and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, which is food, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing or training them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king or serve before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Now, keep your Bibles open right there. And let's visit today about conviction. How strong is yours? Now, you notice in these verses that we read that no one asked Daniel and his friends if they wanted to learn Babylonian culture or what they wanted to eat or if even they wanted their names changed. But they were living in Babylonia now and they didn't have much say in this matter whatsoever. And we should have some idea how they felt because we as believers find ourselves living in a culture where all kinds of expectations are expected. So as believers, we have an unchanging source of truth. And as Christians, it's not in our nature, or it shouldn't be in our nature to fit into the world. But we should stand apart from the world and live as children of another kingdom. But to Daniel and those that were with him, it must have seemed like their lives was out of control because they didn't have much say in what was going on. But here's the deal. God was planning just how he, he was going to use them. He was conditioning them. He was positioning these young men to have a greater impact. Now, when you think about this, when you think it through, that's God's pattern throughout Scriptures. Listen to me. For example, you remember Joseph. Joseph's life seemed to be spinning out of control when he went into Egypt. He wondered what in the world was going on. But God was positioning Joseph to do what? He was setting him up to preserve his people. You remember Moses' life probably seemed like it was out of control after he killed a man and went into Egypt. But what was God preparing him to do? God was preparing him to be the leader of Israel and bring them out of Egyptian bondage. Uh, David's life seemed like it was spinning out of control when King David turned on him and wanted to kill him. But what was God doing through this process? He was getting him where he needed him so he could become the next king after Saul. 
So we see that time after time when it looks like this world has been turned upside down, kind of like this world that we live in today. God is still there and God is still at work. Don't forget that. Remember that beyond the shadow of a doubt. It, 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 is, it was true in all those circumstances that I just gave you and it is still true today. God is still alive and well, folks. No matter how out of control circumstances may seem, God is always at work behind the scenes and, and He's moving us into positions where, believe it or not, we can be an influence for His kingdom. And I'll have more to say about that here in a minute. So right now I want to ask you this question. Is there something in your life that seems like it's spinning out of control? Because God is reminding us here, what He's trying to tell us is that He is still providing these unlikely opportunities and unlikely places for us to remain faithful to Him. God was providing Daniel the opportunity to be faithful to Him. Now, let's read some more. Look in verse 8. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love, that tender love is sympathy, with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed you meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children or looking worse than the young men which are of your sort or of your age? Then shall we, ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said David to Melzar, or the steward, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, or test thy servants. I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse, or vegetables to eat, and water to drink. Alright, right here, no one asked Daniel and the others what they would like to eat or what they would like to learn, or, or even if they wanted their names to be changed. And so what we see here is that they weren't given any choice in what was going to happen to them. And as you go through the book of Daniel, you will see and notice that the book of Daniel is all about choices. That's what the book of Daniel is about. And that was what we just read in those verses. This was an issue over what food to eat. Now, when you hear this and you see this, you, you kind of think to yourself, well, preacher, that, that sounds kind of trivial to me. What, what difference does it make? Now, you know, it's only food after all. Surely that couldn't do much harm. Surely there must have been more important issues to deal with here. You're refusing other than refusing what was put in front of these guys to eat and to drink. That might seem like a place where compromise is certainly understandable. But here's the thing. 
And this was what was important to Daniel. God had put laws in place for the Jews of what they could and could not eat. So this wasn't not something that was just simplistic. God had governed these rules. And Daniel knew but. In other words, Daniel here was trusting in God's way because he thought it was the good thing to do, the right thing to do. And even though compromise would have been easier, it would have been easier just to blow right past this, he didn't give in. Why did he not give in? Because this wasn't just the simple case of what they were going to eat. It was about faithfulness. Did you get that when we read that? God had given clear directions about food to his people and Daniel wasn't going to disobey. He wasn't willing to be disobedient. Now, let me interject something here. Compromise begets compromise. Did you get that? Compromise begets compromise. Maybe Daniel also knew that this small choice he was facing was an invitation to something much bigger. Maybe he knew that, that compromise on this particular issue, even though it seems trivial to us, would only lead to more compromise in the future. So you have to see that the progression here is very clear. The first step is this. Just simply passing by compromise and sin. But if we stop for a while, before we know it, we're setting down. It's like we never intended to end up setting, setting in, in this particular place, in this particular company. But folks, it is impossible to have a casual relationship with sin. It cannot be done. Compromise always compounds itself. Just like a note at the bank with interest. It compounds itself. And it always has a way of growing. So maybe Daniel knew that, that you know, what was going on. And, and we can easily talk ourselves into letting go of something that just seems kind of small. That seems irrelevant. But in the end, our walking will turn into standing. And then sitting right in the middle of sin. I guess the question that I want to ask each and every one to you of you today is, have you comprised yourself lately? Have you compromised yourself lately? Why do I ask that? Because just like Daniel... We're going to encounter places in which culture norms and expectations contradicts our faith, our convictions, the law of God. But what we have to do, remember I told you, you've got to pick a team. We have to draw a line and make up our minds like Daniel did, whom we're going to be obedient to. All right, let's read another verse. I want you to look in verse 13. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. All right, we're going to stop right there. 
Now, what we see here, remember I told you the book of Daniel is about choices. And what we see here, Daniel was confronted with a choice. And he knew which choice he needed to make. He knew he wanted to do the right thing. The question for him now is how is he going to communicate that choice? How's he going to make it happen? Well, that was another challenge for Daniel. And the reason that was a challenge for Daniel, you have to remember what position he was in. He really had no right to make a different proposal. He wasn't consulted with about what would, you know, he would like his menu to look like. Nor did he have any authority over decisions like that. You, you have to remember, no matter how much his situation is stressed up, he's still a prisoner of war. That's what Daniel is. He is a prisoner of war. So what to do? Daniel was smart. And probably something I've left out that I've already should have said by now is Daniel had an overwhelming confidence in God. Remember I told you that. He had an overwhelming confidence in God. So, what did he do? He reasoned with the person over him and offered him a test case. He said, let's do this. He had thought this through. And he was convinced that his idea was right and his idea was the right thing to do. Why? Because he had confidence in God. He was so confident that he simply acted faithfully and then asked those around him to look at the results. What did I tell you the title of this sermon is? Conviction. How strong is yours? You remember? I just said it just a few minutes ago. Matter of fact, it was about 22 minutes ago. Conviction, how strong is yours? What we're seeing here is a convicting response for many of us. Why do I say that? Because the world we live in tells us that we have the right to have things just the way that we want them, just the time we want them, that we should be loud enough to get someone's attention, that we should argue forcefully for our point of view, never to st never stop to consider how our point of view might affect somebody else or, or how it might uh, be perceived by someone around us. Daniel chose the complete opposite of that. Did you see it in those verses that we read? Did you see it? You see, when it came to food, he chose a different way. Expressing his conviction, his way of being reasonable and having a respected attitude was founded in what? His confidence in God. Now, do you have that same confidence? Do you have that same confidence in God? Why? Our tendency is to justify and argue a reflection of our insecurity Him. Only if we could be as secure in our confidence in God as Daniel was. 
And I'm going to show you in a minute why that's so important. Alright, let's go on and read again. Look in verse 17. As for these four children, young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning. Learning is literature, literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Did you get that? Had all understanding in visions and dreams. And that one verse right there, we get a preview of what the remainder of the book of Daniel is based upon. So if you keep reading the book of Daniel, you will see that throughout his life, David, David, Daniel was using his God-given ability to glorify God. God had given this ability to him to understand visions and dreams. David never used it, David. Daniel never used it to elevate himself, but to glorify God. This could cause us to think, and it should, that God has given us a gift as well. How are we using those gifts? Listen to me. If you don't get anything else, you get this. And some of you are going to look at me like I'm crazy as a loon. Don't make me get my Bible out and preach to you. God has given each one of you a particular gift. Amen. You want to argue? Let's get after it. Each one of them. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well God ain't giving me nothing, preacher. I beg to differ. God has given Anne the talent to play the piano. She does a beautiful job. God has given Joe the ability to play the guitar and sing. Probably should be in Nashville. God give me the ability to preach. And that's what I do. You think I can do this in my own strength, my own power? No, it was because God called me. You have a particular gift. Now why is that so important? It is to glorify God. To put His grace and put His power on display in and through your life. Even though we, we might not be interpreting dreams for kings, each of us has a specific part to play in the growth of God's kingdom. Did you get that? So we should always be aware of, of our tendencies to use those gifts for God's end, not for our own end. And that should cause us to think, just like I said a while ago. This should cause us to, to use the gifts that God has given us and ask ourselves, how and why am I using this gift that I've been given? Let's read some more. 
Look at verse 18. Now at the end of these, now at the end of the days that the king had said he should or would bring them in, then the prince, the chief of the eunuchs, brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed or talked with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they or served they before the king. Look at here. The king was so impressed with these four young men that, that he appointed them to be his personal servants. That's where they were at now. You see, Daniel chose to do what? He chose to stand firm. He chose to trust. And let what happened after that, God take care of. In other words, he put it all in God's hands. And says, you got indirect and I'll follow along. This is not just a one-time instance, folks. History is full of faithful believers that stood firm but didn't have the same kind of results. But the call of God is clear. We need to stand faithfully and just entrust the rest to Him. Quit relying on ourselves. Quit trying to do it by yourselves. Let God take care of it. To give you an idea of how quickly this transpired, we're talking about over a period of three years. Three years. These, these four gentlemen went from being deported servants to being the king's right-hand man. How did that happen? You think it was just bada-boom, bada-bing? It all started with one little decision about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink. Did you get it? That one simple little decision. So what can we learn from this? The biblical principle is pretty clear to me. But I'm going to just take it and show it to you. Alright. Forget about Daniel. Go to the Gospel of Luke. I want to show you something. Go to the Gospel of Luke, 16th chapter. The Gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter. Y'all got it? Look at verse 10. You'll notice if your Bible's like mine, it's all in red. This is Jesus speaking. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. Daniel and his friends did what? They chose to be faithful in something that when you read it seems like it's minute. That it is trivial. 
They chose to be faithful in the small things. And what did God do? He trusted them to be faithful with a lot more. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, folks. Of course, that that doesn't mean that if we're faithful with the small things that we're going to be be advising the leader of a nation at some day. That's not what I'm telling you. It does, however, help us understand that faithfulness isn't measured by small, by the size of the opportunity. It's measured by our choices within each one of those opportunities. For instance, we can choose to be faithful with our money. And I'm talking about money that you earn. And then contribute it, tithe, to God's work, His kingdom work amongst us. We can choose to be faithful with our time. We have to know when to say yes and when to say no to things that we think might be important. Also, we can choose to be faithful in our friendships, helping those around us mature and grow in their faith. So when you think about it all, When you think about this life that we live, it's all about management and it's all about choices. We're really nothing. But each day, get this now, each day, God entrusts a certain amount of resources to us. Every day. You remember what I told you, each one of you has got a gift. Each one of you has got that place of influence in God's kingdom. God gives you the resources. Even though that resource may seem like smaller some days than others, we're still stewards of what God has given us. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? God in His wisdom decides the amount of resources, the amount of opportunities that He's going to place in our lives every day. Our job isn't to to question. Our job isn't to second guess the amount that we give. It's only to be faithful with however little or however much He has entrusted to each one of us. God provides, get this, God provides opportunities for us all the time. And a lot of times it's standing right before us and we can't even see it. All the time. Some of those opportunities are big deals. And some of them are very small. But whatever size of the opportunity, what are you going to do with it? God has entrusted that to you. What we need to do is to be aware and watch for those opportunities and then capitalize upon each one of them. That's what we need to do. So my question to you today, 
Whose team are you going to be on? Are you going to have the confidence in God that Daniel had? And just put everything in his hands and let him take care of it? And then use those opportunities that he's given to you to capitalize, to be an influence in his kingdom? Because that's what He has entrusted us to do. Conviction. How strong is yours? Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank You for this time that we've had today. To spend time in Your Word, Father. To be in Your house glorifying You. Father, I just thank You for the blessings that You give us. I thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. But Father, I thank You most importantly for Your Son that You provided to die for us so we could have forgiveness of sins. Father, help us each time we stumble and fail to just get up and say, Father, I messed up. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And just help me grow, Father. Help me grow from this experience and be stronger next time. So, Father, thank You for loving us. Father, we just ask that You continue to provide for us in this very challenging time that we live. Father, that You guide and direct our lives every day. And help us be aware of the opportunities that You give us. Father, again, I lift up all the folks that are not with us today. And Father, I lift up all the folks that we have on our prayer list. And just like we saw in this lesson today, Father, we're putting all these circumstances, all these situations, all these needs in Your hands, Father, and ask Your will to be done. So, Father, as we depart this place today, just help us go out and be that very bright light in a very dark world. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.